0: Hey Stanford, welcome to part two.
1: Yeah, excited. We're going again. I know. It's um
0: we 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 covered an exercise before, didn't we? We looked, we started to look at yoga and exercise, what was best before. And we kind of came up with a number of ideas. The first idea is that exercise and yoga are very different from one another. So we've we've understood that there's a there's a difference between these two things. Um, what I'm keen to know more about today is I'm keen to understand just a little bit more about exercise and also sort of the parallels between exercise and yoga in in different ways. Um, Mm. So where do we start?
1: Um, Not sure, because I think last time, as you said, we talked a lot about the transferable skills from yoga and Mm. how actually the awareness can add to exercise as well as a lot of other things we do in life. Mm. But I guess in some way, maybe shall we start from what actually exercise can bring to the other parts of our life to start? Because that may be a quite a little bit of a nice contrast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think, I think from a more personal experience, as well as evidence, I think exercise really helps to strengthen the body. Mm-hmm. If used properly it can help really help to maintain and develop our body of physicality. Mm-hmm. But also another, another big thing that I think as a psychiatrist, as a practicing psychiatrist, we, we almost use the, um, is it the endorphin? The endorphin side of exercise as well. Because when we exercise, our body actually kind of enjoys it, even though it can be a very grilling routine. It can be a very, very sweaty and hot and breathless routine. But actually it also, you know, stimulates our brain to give out this, you know, hormone that's endorphin that tells us, ah, we've done something good. We've done a good job about it. So there's a few good effects as well.
0: So... It really means that when we're starting to look at exercise, we're, we're defining it, which is associated with actually the the effects that it has on us. Or so we exercise for different
1: effects. Mm, absolutely, and I guess another definition is you exercise at least in the at least in the Western medicine. With, um explanation is a movement of the body to various mm. severity and vigorousness and also within a certain time frame because nowadays there are more and more different routines some routine is much more vigorous but at a shorter interval Mm. some routine is much more sustained and um, in terms of the severity and how vigorous the exercise is but for also for a longer period of time Mm. I guess in in the in the simplest term which is what I learned in school is aerobic exercise and anaerobic exercise because when you do exercise that in a not so strenuous way, but for more longer sustained period of time, you, your body has more time to actually breathe and utilize the oxygen that we take in. So yeah. the muscles and everything have time to actually respire and utilize um, energy from our food sources, carbon hydrate, maybe fat stores in our body to actually provide the energy. So it's much more sustainable. At the same time, if you do it much more vigorously and for a shorter period of time, it goes into this anaerobic. Rhythm, where actually the body or the cells doesn't have enough time to um, use all the energy because actually it's actually quite a lengthy process. You need to go into the anaerobic side, which is much faster, but it's less energy effect- efficient. So that kind of will be the broad sense on how we can define exercise as well.
0: Interesting. So if I define yoga postures, so if I start, you know, the, the root of the word actually is to be present so when we're looking at yoga postures you've got this idea of asana and that that comes from this the root to be present um and there's a text called the hatha yoga pradipika um it it gives a definition of asana and it says that asana practice brings increased steadiness and less illness and lightness so it means that actually the practice of the physical aspects of it are there for both the mental and physical makeup. So that kind of, it kind of ties in with what you were saying with regard to exercise. Hmm. Well, there's a few other definitions, which I kind of really like. Um, one is this idea of Sharira Anga Vinyasa. It means that it's a special arrangement of the body parts. And we covered this last time. It, it's, it means that it's something that you don't normally do. And that mm-hmm. actually defines it. So it, it's it's about approaching things. And when we think about that, it's it's you know a physical approach or even a mental approach in things in life. It's about approaching things in a way that you wouldn't normally do them because what often we do, and we approach everything in exactly the same way, whether it's our relationships, whether it's ourselves, whether it's our work we actually approach it in exactly the same way. We apply the same patterns again and again and again. So here it's about learning something different. It, it, it's not about being a ballerina within yoga. It's about learning about how to arrange the body in a very different way and working in a very different way to break those patterns that you've got. And that includes working with the mind. So does that make sense? So that, I like that definition.
1: Yeah. Or if you're a ballerina, you may do similar kind of posture or movement that you will do in ballerina as in, in a yoga practice. But the focus may be slightly different. So you learn something different about how to use your body.
0: And what that means is it means that either your application of the tools of yoga, which is asana, they either help with the you to understand and have an awareness of the patterns that you've got, and to change something, because if you think about it, most of us actually want to evolve and change. Mm. What we do is we use a tool and it actually increases the pattern we've got. Mm. It's kind of interesting when you think about the, the, the you know, the basis of this. The other, the other definition I really like, there's another definition I like called Sharira Samskara. Um, this is about creating new body patterns, a new pattern for the body, a new way of working for the body. And and this, for me, is also interesting as well, is that it's, you know, I tell you, uh, for the first year and a half of riding a horse, I fell off. Mm -hmm. Okay, And and actually, it's about creating a new body pattern. Mm. So it's how do I put these new patterns in place? And one of the purposes, and I think what we're looking at here is when we're looking at uh, defining something, you know, it's like it, it gives it reason. there's a good reason why we're actually coming to do something and it means that the form of the yoga that we take should serve a function and actually that's what defines it it has to serve a function
1: Mm. i find it very interesting because when you spoke about changing pattern doing something that's unusual Mm. it brought up many many thoughts the first one is that's so true, but because when I'm doing psychiatry in mental health or, you know, in my clinic room, what I often suggest my patient to do is actually try something new, like go swimming or go walking in the countryside or go cycling. Hmm. It's almost like as long as it's not something that they are used to, it kind of helps them to take their mind off whatever problem that they're going through.
0: Right.
1: Which is not to say to ignore the issues and think, oh, those issues no longer exist and you can just move on. It's like, it's actually... As you said, you kind of replacing the existing pattern a little bit, so you can give you somewhat new insight and change, break out of the cycle a little bit. Because you know how it is sometimes when you are sad, that's per se, everything seems to be a catastrophe, and you mm. really, really, really want to get out of it. But at the same time, you feel very hopeless and helpless. But actually, mm. if you, if we manage to come out of the cycle a little bit, actually, sometimes it make it a bit easier to realize actually it's not that bad there are there are other things that we can do or there's other possibility out there so that's one thought Ah.
0: there's there's goals associated with this as well so both within this is that when we're defining things there's you know exercise often has goals associated with it doesn't it? Mm. and Mm. with goals there's also um there's there's outcomes so you know, it, 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 so we, we automatically we kind of we put in place goals and we put in place outcomes with regard to our exercise practice. But and
1: once... that related to my second thoughts, because I think when we go exercise, a lot of time we have goals to, let's say if you people want to go to the gym or we want to go to the gym, we want to achieve a certain physique or we want to bench certain amounts. Hmm. So sometimes, I don't know, as both a doctor and yoga teacher, I hear that people seem to hit a wall. Every now and then like they've been doing a certain practice or a routine or going to see a personal trainer for so long. Mm. Somehow, after a period of time of really good sustained working with it, there doesn't seem to be any more changes. They kind of hit the goal, but then there's also a barrier. There's also a wall where it's like, I don't feel like I'm progressing anymore. Actually, what you said was very interesting is, and I think we have discussed about this a few times before, is like there needs to be evolution. It needs to have a change because mm-hmm. we're so used to a certain pattern. Like You're so used to doing squat in a certain way or swimming lane in a certain way. You actually need to change it slightly. And then maybe then the practice will be or the exercise will be beneficial to you again. My own example is I, when I was a kid, I was so scared of water uh one of one of, my, one of the others who looked after me before, before tried to get me to learn how to swim by throwing me into the swimming pool so i literally struggled and almost drowned for like about a minute so it wasn't long it was, the swimming pool wasn't actually that deep either but i got really really scared of the water mm. and my mom's like no 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 you you can't you can't be scared of water for the rest of your life you need to know the skills so actually put me into a swim class actually might have been two or three different swim classes, and eventually i learned how to swim i end up falling falling in love with it because it's so so freeing it's like you are you are uh, the gravity has been taken away you're floating water actually can move in water it's a really really good feeling and i go swimming very very regularly but then there's a period of about five to seven years that i haven't got a chance to go back to swimming because i live in london and then when i gone back, I realized, oh, my God, I, I don't quite know how to move. My shoulder's hurting. Actually, moving water make me very nauseous, dizzy. And I actually realized, oh, this is an exercise you to re- used to really, really enjoy. But because I'm so out of practice, I need to come back into it. I need to relearn it again. And that relearning gave me so much insight hmm. of myself and my body.
0: So really what we're starting to do is that the... the function of these things becomes very important when we're defining it, it is relating to one's approach to the activity that we're doing as a whole and when we're looking at goals uh, because i've I've had you know I, i think goals and outcomes are very important and i think interestingly in a way i've heard many many times people say well goals are bad aren't they outcomes are bad you know because you're holding on to something and it causes a bit of an issue when you get to it but then goals are good because you find yourself in a position where you think, actually, an exercise wise, I want to run 10K or I want to run, you know, 20K. Or mm. I want to do this or I want to do that. So you set yourself a goal to motivate yourself to do something. Mm. But if we apply that same goal, I want to do Ekapada Rajakaputasana. It's a very interesting position. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, also, a mouthful. Yeah king pigeon so it's the one where the leg and you're holding the arms up over the head and the head goes to the foot in this way and if that's the goal then we're actually taking the same pattern and we're applying that same pattern from the 20k into the arsenal. however what if i could do it slightly differently what if actually my goal while i was going on this is to create and have an awareness about how i'm interacting with myself mm. how i'm interacting with other people and so actually what happens is that the use of the body becomes an understanding because it's the tool that we use to interact with ourselves and interact with other people and it teaches us everything based on how we interact with it mm. so instead of there being a goal which is a goal 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 you know like 20k 30k it
1: It's of just a number good.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a different thing. It's a different way of looking at goals and also looking at the function of things, and the forms that they're taking are there to suit those things?
1: Mm. And I think that fits in with my swimming example as well. Because what I used to do years ago, decades ago, I would go to swimming pool once a week and then I swim twenty laps, and then as you say, it almost become like a number. It's like I go and I do that and that's uh, once I'm done I, I get out I can go get a croissant and coffee and move on with my day mm. well, I was actually coming back this time to swimming I wanted to get back to the 20 because that's the number I always get to but one I couldn't because I'm out of breath and two I'm quite dizzy um, I actually realized actually instead of pushing myself to get the 20 what I need to do is actually learn how to move in water again how to breathe how not to drown Mm. and how not to embarrass myself too much in a swimming pool (laughs) (laughs) and that and that was very very interesting I did I think I managed like about 16 in the end so not too bad but but that actually the experience of it was actually more fun and that almost reminded me when I first learned swimming and that's what I I completely agree it's actually the experience of it that brought me joy rather than the number. Mm. The other question I, I have is with the goal as well, because sometimes it's goal bad because we just want to push the number. Because as you said, sometimes you start with 10Ks and the next one will be 20K and 30K, and then you'll run a marathon or more marathon or triathlon, it's more always better.
0: But doesn't a goal give you a direction? You know, it, again, it's our relationship with the word. Let's take an example. You know, if I'm working with someone, they say, okay, um, my goal is to get through the week without drinking any alcohol at all. And, but on Saturday, I can reward myself and have a drink. And actually what happens is on Saturday, they do more than reward themselves and have a drink. They actually get absolutely hammered and fall over. But the fact is that what they did is for that whole week, they didn't drink. Mm. So, for me, there's an interesting thing around this idea of goal, putting a line in the ground. And all of us tend to put lines in the ground. And those lines in the ground, we hold on to very strongly. Mm. And then we focus on those lines in the ground because we look at them and we think, actually, if so and so can do this, I can do this. If I can get to that point there, that's really good for me. If I can do so, in one way, it's fantastic. But in another way, in another way you can actually see the trap that we create for ourselves
1: and the limiting it's very interesting i also think we not only put the line for ourselves to begin with sometimes we put the line in the sand years ago and we may have either achieved or not achieve it but years later we want to repeat it again similar to what my swimming example is like mine was 20 laps and have to go back to it I was speaking to someone today and it was interesting and she's a little bit older so around my age talking about issues that we're facing at work at the moment
0: mm.
1: and she's like i graduated from a very good university back in the days so i'm passed with merit i should be able to do this like yeah i completely agree but it's also a very interesting example to bring up as well because we are quite a few years since our university days is that the same attitude? Is that the same goals that we want to hold ourselves to sometimes? It I did, didn't make me question. Mm. Mm. Another question about exercise, well, or another definition of exercise from the Western point of view is mm. weight-bearing or non-weight-bearing. Okay. So, some say weight-bearing is better because especially as we get older, I think there's an encouragement in from scientists or from physicians. Weight-bearing is good because actually it helps to strengthen a bone. It, it the, the weight itself on our body signals to the bone, which is the weight-bearing part a lot of the time because the skeletal part, um, skeletal system of our body, that it needs to strengthen. It needs to be able to bear the extra load. So it actually helps us to maintain the density of the bone. So actually there is a bit of, encouragement from the science point of view that actually as we get older we need to weight bear a little bit gently and gradually so that we you know don't crush ourselves Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the same time weight bearing seems to also cause a lot of issues because sometimes when we are weight bearing especially with the inappropriate amounts and we're doing inappropriate things we can grind and wear and tear our joints a lot more because they are quite strong and almost in some exercise, quite harsh on the joints, especially to the knees.
0: Okay, so we have a definition within yoga called Sharira Rakshana.
1: Mm.
0: It's a purpose of actually um, doing different positions, and it's to maintain, protect, and nourish the body, and to retain the energy that you actually have, so it's not to exhaust you. Mm. But it's also to understand, again, this idea of, not pushing ligaments and tendons not overstretching, not creating issues where we grind into the joints in a way but it's to keep the spine very very mobile not over mobile not under mobile but just to keep the mobility within the spine okay and i also what you just said also reminds me of almost the first thing that we said the last time we spoke which is to do with Overuse or underuse. And so we've got overuse or underuse. We've got the capacity to move or the capacity to stay in things, so, so static in things. And if you look at exercise based stuff, we have the same thing, you know, the capacity to move or the capacity to stay in various different things. How much is too much? How much is too little? And I think this is also what we need to do is to understand that too much. How do we understand it too much causes damage and too little, actually no, nothing comes from it. What's the point in doing it? Mm. So I think that as part of this in the direction that you're taking right now is to we are exercise is very good for actually maintaining and protecting the body, but our approach to it, like our approach with yoga asana becomes very important. It's a tool and either you can use that tool to increase the issues that there are let's say um issues within the knee joints issues within the shoulder joints issues in the neck issues in the lower back or what it can do is it can help to maintain and protect that area so it means that there actually needs to be an individual application of yoga positions to a person but i would also recommend that with exercise as well that individual application needs to happen too because if we're looking to protect ourselves to maintain ourselves we need that individual approach.
1: Yeah, and I also was thinking about this today, and I I'm gonna use your definition a little bit as well because I think when when you when we were doing training together, you taught me before use of props in the yoga practice. The use utilization of props is actually to help our body to achieve things that we don't we won't normally able to achieve. Is mm-hmm. that together right? so almost in some way the weight that we're bearing in exercise is almost like a prop as well isn't it like it helps us to achieve mm-hmm. a certain shape or a certain strength a certain limit almost that we may not be able to achieve just with our own body weight or with other weight right <laughs> so i wonder what it is that we're trying to achieve what is the things that we're not meant to have mm-hmm. without that prop of weight and what Will be the result of having that ability
0: but this is again the question around the prop mm. because what's the use of the prop and is the prop there because it helps let's say when you're sitting down cross-legged and mm. you put a couple of blocks underneath you and it helps to lift you up so your spine's straight and there's no pain in your knees mm. or is it that the prop actually allows you to do something that naturally your body couldn't do and is providing a limit on you to do. Like, let's say, headstand or shoulder stand. Mm. So the question becomes is about the prop. Is when's the prop useful? And when's the prop not useful? When does the prop actually support your evolution and help you to get somewhere? Or when does the prop actually mean that the body can do something that it ought not to do because there's a limit on what the body can do
1: or another thought Mm. is it's the prop allowing us to fit in so i was teaching yoga class recently and we had this lengthy chat with one or a few of the students before the beginning of the class um about how to sit. And as you said, sometimes, actually, it helps so much by sitting on a couple of blocks or just a little bit of a block so that the hips is elevated, the knees are lower and actually can sit in a cross-legged position much more comfortable. But there's um, a few students that I saw who, who has a lot of tension around the back, around the shoulders area. Actually, Cross-licker just doesn't look a very comfortable position altogether because when they try to do cross leg, their knees are almost as high as their chest and that they, they're back round a lot and you can see the changes in their breathing and it's just not a comfortable position at all. I say, well, if you try, because we've done this before, just keep your knees bent but bring your feet onto the ground and kind of move them slightly far out, then there's space for your torso to be in the middle. There's space for your back. Your hips can be on the ground, doesn't even need a block. And your lower limbs feels comfortable because the feet is on the ground. You have the movement of straightening them whenever you need to. How does that feel? Mm. I was like, that actually feels okay. And I can actually breathe better and I sit much more comfortable. But then I can't sit cross-legged. So that seems to be always the question. But I can't do the things that everyone else is doing. So in exercise, is there a certain request or certain wish that you want to be able to do what someone else is doing? Or... Should we use exercise in t- as a way and a mean to discover what our body is and how our bodies build, what our uniqueness is, and how to kind of honor and work with the uniqueness?
0: So you're actually looking at an evolution. you as a psychiatrist, you are aware that we learn by imitation, mm. Mm-hmm. So what happens is that, you know, from the earliest age, we, you know, we teach children how to do things. They watch us and they kind of, they see, you know, when we pick things up and we move things around that they, okay, that's how you pick things up and move things around. And we get up and walk and the child gets up and, you know, so there's a whole, there becomes a, a learning by imitation. I think that we keep that methodology we do look to other people and we copy other people and we imitate. And I know they say that imitation is, is, a, is a form of flattery. However, what it does is it means that there has to become a stage where we stop imitating or stop listening to how we think something ought to be or should be based on either a picture or what we're told and begin to discover and move away from that and actually embody it for ourselves. So, I think that what we're discussing here is an evolution from that point of imitation competitiveness. And, you know, look what I can do and you can do. It, and almost a sense of actually, I'm really okay with myself. And I'm going on my own journey within this.
1: And that in itself may, ha- may be imitation as well, because you see your teacher or someone else in the class already doing it. And it's like, oh, you recognize that's the, a evolution in the practice. Mm. Now I'm going to imitate that. I'm going to try to find my own mm.
0: angle. Mm. And I wish more people would do that. I really do. I
1: think that would be a good idea.
0: Because because one of the biggest questions is, you know, within that, I mean, this is another definition, is is this idea of Shira Samyama. It means there's a there's a, when you get to that stage, actually you're looking at mastering something. Mm. You're not using your body to and, and going, am I doing this right? You know, it's it's almost a flip that actually you just know that you're doing it in the most appropriate way for you at this point in time. Mm. So you're not looking to feed insecurity or also hand individual power over to someone else. You're actually looking at it in completely reverse way.
1: Mm. And I think that's very important to build awareness towards as well, because I think one common use I think that's going to be the term I settle with one common use of exercise nowadays is actually also about confidence and self-image as well because sometimes or a lot of the time we use exercise in order to build a a certain physique that we want to strive for Mm. and our body shape is very much linked to our body image and about and for a lot of people actually that links to our own confidence and self-image the experience that I have had, especially with patients and uh, talking with people in general, is it sometimes feels like the more you strive for perfection in a certain physique or certain body image, the more or the closer you are towards your own target. Sometimes, actually, there's more insecurity because I don't know. I don't know how exactly to explain it, but but almost the drive towards that state is driven by the insecurity itself. And it becomes very, very difficult to move away from the target because I almost felt like if you no longer maintain it, then suddenly the the identity or mm-hmm. the confidence or the self-worth that you link to a certain physique or certain weight goal or certain body fat percentage, like everything kind of reduced at the same time. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, so it's, it's a little like... Um we see this a number of times is that that actually you have a purpose about something have a role on something um let's say you are a parent and what happens is that that role suddenly changes when the child leaves home you then kind of feel very lost Mm -hmm. if something has been taken away and you don't know where it is and the same is true with working on the body as well is that is the if the focus is that i will be happy if i look a particular way and if other people perceive me in a particular way what happens when that becomes lost you know because actually there's a sense of role and a sense of identity that's caught up in all of this
1: and i think you hit the nail right on the head with that one which is actually is the perception about from other people is it from yourself sometimes or a lot of the time the especially on the aesthetic side of goal I feel like the, the the focus is very much external it feels like how other people see me like how do I look in a photograph but of course you're going to show the photograph to someone else or you share it on your dating profile I don't know and and that the validation comes a lot more externally it's and actually in a lot of ways internally become more and more insecure because you You place a validation outside so you're not empowering yourself to be validated by yourself and by your own success or your own achievement
0: so there has to be a cohesion between just not the physical aspect of it but also the mental aspect of it there has to be a correlation between these within the direction that we go in and the goals that we set and how we set those goals and the intention behind setting those goals and i also think that almost in a way we can use exercise we can use yoga you know for physical problems we can also use them as a recreational activity both of them Mm. we can also use both of them to understand something about ourselves if we move in both of them through that kind of initial evolution to understand and learn from the mistakes that we make So what I see is this this idea of understanding something about myself as part of a journey, whether it's exercise or whether it's yoga, as I get to a point where everything has to change, you know, whether I'm running marathons or whether I'm something has to change in order for me to evolve and move forwards. Hmm. And I think this is the question with both of them is that we get to a point where we need to make choices, decisions and priorities. Where something has to leave us so that something else can come.
1: Yeah. As you're saying that and talking about the recreational side of exercise, mm. maybe it's for recreation, but maybe it's one way of evolving exercise as well. Because I recognize we I mostly spoken about exercise that I do or we can do on our own, but actually there's also social side of exercise as well, isn't it? Like there are team sports, there are um you play against each other or play with each other
0: mm. and that's actually
1: really so, so um social side of exercise where there's a lot of interaction there's a lot of teamwork there's a lot of communication that's required and that so, part of exercise is important too yeah it it
0: is also i think I mean, I, I, so often it's, it's, it's told to me that traditionally yoga was taught on a one-to-one basis, so one person to another person, and it was taught so that that message or that knowledge was adapted and refined for that individual, and it was passed down from teacher to student in this way. However, it's quite lonely. So one of the benefits of having a group class is that you get to hang out with other people and talk to other people and you get to, you know, just kind of do things with other people and, and socialise and, and, you know, it becomes... Yeah, some coconut water. Yeah, it becomes a recreational activity, you know, it, it, there's a real sort of difference it because it's very social.
1: But also can be inspirational as well. I remember going to some yoga class where other people being able to see each other's practice and it's like, oh that is a that's a posture or that's a certain practice that I wouldn't be able to do now but actually in can inspire someone to like keep almost as we were saying earlier on like create a new goal because you see the possibility that's not directly from your teacher but actually someone else is doing it's like oh yeah actually if we started together and then if they can do that it may be possible that I can do that too. Of course, on the flip side, it can be discouraging too, because sometimes like, oh, we started together. We started this course or this class together at the same time three weeks ago. Well, how come I'm not progressing as much as the other people? I'll come back to the discussion about, oh, is there where there's a social side of the exercise? Is it always encouraging? Is it discouraging And how to find a balance?
0: But isn't it always annoying when there's always someone showing off? yeah <laughs> <laughs> i tried
1: to think of a way to say no As I, like,
0: yeah yeah, but yeah. Actually, yeah. i mean the same is true I, I remember i remember 25 years ago going to a yoga class and um
1: and you were showing off
0: no i, I, God, I wish i could have shown off back then um now i can show off um okay. no there, there was always a person in the class that was showing off you know doing something and showing off and actually it was was it inspirational or was it frustrating actually you just felt they needed to go to a different class rather than the class that we were in and the level that we were at
1: I remember classes now I still go to sometimes there are people who show up 15 minutes before and they start doing all sorts of like inversions and contortioning postures I was thinking if you've done all these before the class, start, like why are you why are you staying for the class sometimes?
0: Well, you know, it's a little like cleaning before the cleaner comes. You know, you you need to make sure that you're warmed up, right, really well, and you've done everything before you actually do the yoga class. Don't you know about this?
1: <laughs> no, I don't have a cleaner. That's probably why. <laughs> but learn something tonight. <laughs>
0: exactly. I mean, there, there's a there's a whole series. I mean, it's it's a very interesting idea because actually. I do all these different positions before the class. We then do the yoga class and we don't do any of those positions that I do before the class. You know, so there's a whole kind of, but then this links for me to another very interesting idea, which is to do with good exercise, appropriate exercise and the the sort of the cycle of preparing, you know, the body for something. Mm -hmm. So I've worked with a number of athletes, and within this is, it's not just about the sport that they're doing, but it's a preparation for that. Mm. This for me is another de- definition of of what we're doing, what we're looking at things. Is shura samskara? It's to prepare for something to come. So, mm. for me, there has to be a preparation phase, and the preparation phase is normally quite a gentle phase to prepare for something that i'm heading towards so that i want to have an experience of something but then i also need to have a time afterwards to process it and to allow myself to get back out so it's rather than just doing a handstand or doing a headstand with a breathing technique and i prepare for that go in and come out but the same is true with with sports as well and exercise is that almost in a way we have to prepare to head towards the place that we're going to and we also have to come back out of it as well.
1: So there's a warm up and also a warm down in in in, mm. in the Western language before you do the exercise and afterward as well. Yeah. But as you were saying about athletes, and then we talk about uh, like a group exercise, I suddenly realized realize sometimes maybe uh, I, I don't really play any team sports, so I can't really speak on this on a personal level. But sometimes what I observe there's almost a cele- celebratory aspect of exercise as well because i've been to uh, like workshop to get before There's a yoga workshop where actually we all form a circle and actually we all go into the circle at different stage and whenever we want to or not want to um and then like do a certain practice or a certain sequence or a certain posture and then come back out of it yes there is the aspect of there's a bit of a show-off but in some way after a little while actually there is a certain aspect where it's almost like a ritual ritualistic or celebrate celebration and that got me thinking actually in the beginning i think i'm right but the olympic games meant to be a celebration as well because there is a certain um honoring aspect to the olympic games i think it's back in the athens era like really really long time ago where it's actually honoring to the gods so there is a physical representation of our celebration and honoring within a society with exercise and that's perhaps why may also we actually you know uphold athletes or people who have good physique or physically quite strong to a high regard sometimes because there is something you know celebration about it
0: so they're, they're able as an individual we're able to get to an optimal peak within our Interaction with ourselves, but also with regard to the direction that we've gone in. Yeah. So.
1: Because historically, I guess, in some way, again, this is going back a long time ago when we we're still hunter and gatherer. Mm. If you have stronger physique, if you, as you say, we, we use the exercise to prepare our body to a certain way, then a person will be able to hunt for more or hunt stronger things bigger things where you can provide more food or um if you are in an army having going in against war with each other or in different tribes actually you may be able to defeat more enemies and actually you can win the honor and land and money or whatever it may be for your own tribe so there is there is this aspect of it where actually yes back in the day's exercise was part of the preparation wasn't it it's kind of like athletes before their competition actually exercise this uh preparation so that they can compete and gain the honor and maybe the gold medal
0: and moving back to the other thing that you said which was a ritual so exercise can be a ritual can't it yeah you know i i, I know many people that get up first thing in the morning and they go out and they do a run and they come back again uh, or they do a cycle and they come back they do something so there's a there becomes this kind of ritual and a, a ritual helps that person to cut from one aspect of a day and enter another aspect of a day mm-hmm. and the same is true with yoga positions is that we can use them as rituals or part of the rituals I like, um, what I find interesting is that each yoga position has a different effect. And when we kind of start to put them together, especially with breathing and mantras and meditative sort of practices, is that almost it's like cooking, and you are using very fine ingredients when you're doing it. Mm. So not too many onions, not too much turmeric not too much of this not too much of that and so it's not too strong but also it doesn't end up being completely bland mm. so the idea within putting these things together is for a function to create an effect you know we want an outcome from what we're doing so i want to feel more energized i don't want to feel depleted okay so if i go to a yoga class you know i, I remember watching someone they went to this yoga class and they did this yoga class they came back out and they were exhausted for the whole day afterwards three days yeah i said well what why, why did you and they were like yeah but it was great i sweated loads and it was fantastic and you know it was just so it was amazing and i was like and so actually that's your idea of an outcome whereas for me what I'm looking to do is, I, 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 don't want fast food. I don't want fried food. I don't want a takeaway. I want something that is really nourishing, mm. that's tasty, that actually keeps my energy up and keeps me going through the day, and helps me to. Do, do I make any sense with this? Yeah,
1: and I think what you what you mentioned about sweating is also very interesting as well because sometimes we almost have this. Not obsession, but this strong idea where sweating is good is really cleansing. So the more we do, the better it will be. And I do agree in in a in a, in a broad stroke where actually sweating itself is part of our body's mechanism of excreting something. Most likely, excess water won't get sweated out because it's actually more about body temperature. Excess water tend to get excreted by the means mm-hmm. of urine. Um, water can also be excreted by uh, part parts of being feces or stools or parts of when we breathe as well but actually sweating is very important to help us to regulate our body temperature So, and also it's quite healthy for our skin because it shows that there's good circulation and actually the follicles and all the glands are working so it's actually really really good but I think sometimes when we do too much of this it can be very very dehydrating and can cause a lot of issues that way because when we sweat too much, sometimes what I see in patients as well, they don't replenish enough, or they don't replenish the right thing. They drink a lot of water, but not maybe not enough electrolytes, or they drink a lot of water, but actually not enough of other kind of food groups to replenish what we have lost. I don't know if I'm, I think I think yoga has some perspective on this, isn't it? Because I remember reading some texts. There's something about sweating as well. Yeah,
0: there is. There's a the idea is 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 twofold. One is that you you heart rate at the end of a yoga practice should be lower than at the beginning of your yoga practice this is the first thing Mm. we we take the pulse and quite often before our yoga practice we always take our own pulse and then we do a yoga practice and then take the pulse at the end and the heart rate should be lower this Mm. is the first thing second thing is if you get to the point of sweating in a yoga practice you've gone too far Hmm. okay because it means that the the nervous system has been agitated within this so Hmm. in fact you find this mentioned in a number of texts they just say that if the body sweats and shakes it's gone too far
1: Hmm. so that's very interesting because someone was in a lot of exercise we encourage people to sweat Hmm. by I don't know sometimes may, maybe in hot yoga too but uh, pushing body to a certain state where i'll actually start breaking in sweats or go to sauna after or go to steam room after like that's this encouragement that mm. i think is good but hmm. why
0: why i mean isn't it artificially isn't it doing something artificial to the body i mean it, it, what what's happening in the joints what's happening in the overall body when you do this
1: I just wonder, is there a slight like, cultural difference as well? Because obviously, yoga is from India, mm-hmm. where the continent, a- Asia, is warmer in general. So, actually, you d- wouldn't want to over exhaust yourself because heat can be quite exhausting, and then exercising in heats can be very, very exhausting. Whereas, mm-hmm. right now, we live in England, actually, the weather tends to be much colder. So, especially, and also much longer as welcome wine compared to India. So, actually, in in order to maintain a health in some way, sometimes sweating a little bit is good because we don't normally have as much experience of it.
0: Yeah, I, you know, if you look at the Himalayas, there, you know, where a lot of yoga practices are, it's kind of a bit cold. That's true. So I, I don't, I don't sort of buy the, um, the cultural thing. I think that actually it's, it's almost like a misappropriation of practice so in fact to keep warm there are numbers of different breathing techniques in fact Krishna Macharya said that you actually don't need asana at all you just need breathing techniques Mm. you don't need the physical positions the breathing techniques will give you everything that you need so if Mm. you want to heat the body up or cool the body down you can use different breathing techniques but i think we've got in our head that we enjoy the experience of sweating of doing all these things and actually there's only certain constitutions that actually be should be doing something like that so a earth and water-based constitution a cap based constitution can go into a hot environment and do this whereas if you put any other constitution in there it can really aggravate those constitutions mm.
1: so in some way kind of coming back to earlier topic as well heat itself it can be a little bit of a prop but should everyone be using the prop and actually do something and push the body to do something that we don't normally achieve is under the question.
0: Exactly. I always think there's a knock-on, I always think there's a consequence and a knock-on effect from doing it. Mm. And I think we need to observe that.
1: This yeah. Is
0: what's happening later on in the day, what's happening later on in the week.
1: Yeah. And whilst what thinking about it and didn't get a chance to form words about my thoughts earlier on, also on prop this. On one hand, you can have weight-bearing exercise where the prop is quite a strong, one where you add a- adding load onto the body, onto the joints, and onto the bones and everything. The other end so- spectrum of the prop is kind of taking away gravity. There's a lot of aqua exercise as well. When I was looking up, oh, science behind exercise, actually, it can be very helpful, as you said earlier on. Actually, sometimes you look at the effects of exercise. We use exercising water especially like maybe physiotherapy it may be swimming it may be gentle stretching in water where the effect of gravity on body has been taken down a notch or quite a bit actually then allow the body to move more freely so after then you feel better and you can move better or you get yourself out of pain so that's one end of the spectrum as well so I do wonder, is that is there maybe a little bit of a gray, kind of like what you said earlier on, different constitution or different issues fit into different or suit a different type of exercise? Whereas in a Western sense, let's say if you are more elderly or you have more joint problems or you are recovering from certain things, actually having less and less load on your body so that your body can move more freely again and learn the ability to move better again without pain is good. And towards one stage, once your body's very, very fit and stable and you want to gain extra strength or gain extra muscles for whatever reason, then adding load will be good.
0: Mm, but so this is where I see the benefits of something like, you know, doing some sort of water-based work, you know, exercising water. So it really kind of helps. I see, you know, there's lots of different areas which are really useful for people. Like walking is really useful, you know, the, doing stuff in water. Um just gentle weight bearing with weights, absolutely fantastic. However, I want to maintain that yoga is different from these things, and that for me is an important thing, is a distinction that you you know we we don't combine these things together. Okay, it it it's it, it's like I've got exercise and water with music on. Enjoy exercise and water with music on. Really helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. Really helpful yeah but it's not the same as doing yoga practice because correct it has a different emphasis a lot of the time correct Hmm. well i i completely agree i think i that's why i have to maintain both in a lot of way because yoga practice give me insights and benefit in one way and actually exercise is quite different and as you as we discussed last time actually a lot of the time it's about the transferable skills it's actually the lessons or the reflection the insight i learned from yoga mm-hmm. then i can take it back to my exercise or like my swimming recently and actually that was really helpful because it allows me and taught me how to use my body in a different way and that was very very beneficial
0: Thanks for today. I've really enjoyed um, our second part of.
1: Thank you.
0: An exercise.
1: Exactly. Can't wait for the next one.
0: Is it going to be a part three?
1: (laughs) Who knows? Let's find out. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Bye bye. Bye.